What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Swap Sessions. As you know, I am Rashad, and today's guest on the show is Miss Candy Burris Tucker. We know Candy from the 90s hit girl group Escape, which has given us some of the biggest soundtracks of our lifetime, as well as Candy being a dope writer, which has written songs that have also become a part of those soundtracks. Candy is also right now producing a hit Broadway show called The Thoughts of a Colored Man. It's a show that has seven male actors, seven black male actors on a stage, which has never happened before, and then having a black production team behind it, which is also a Broadway first. Being on Broadway with a predominantly black production team doesn't happen. Broadway is somewhere where the powers that be are typically white people. So for Candy and the team to put together this show and have it out in the masses and on Broadway is a big deal. So I wanted to talk to her about that, why she felt that it was important to get involved with the project and what she wants everyone to take away from it. In the same breath, I wanted to talk to Candy about her music career and how she went from being a junior in high school and having a number one hit record on the radio, growing into this phenomenon in the music industry who has written for just about everybody you can think of. Candy is a groundbreaking black woman and it's important to showcase that. So in the words of Candy, kick off your shoes and relax your feet. You are now tuned into Suave Sessions with Candy Burris Tucker. gotta do is it's, it's easy to be said before we get started make sure you like the video make sure you're subscribing to our channel make sure you're sharing make sure you're commenting make sure you're bringing this interview to the people that you know are going to enjoy it all right so with that said let's get to it we're going to take a quick message from our sponsors and we'll be right back This episode of Suave Sessions is being brought to you by Life Matters with Mario Brown, a self-help life coaching consultant firm working to transform the lives of people across individual and professional sectors using a three-point faith-based service model of non-judgmental listening, reasonable goal setting, and comprehensive strategies. Mario is able to help his clients reach optimum success. To learn more about Life Matters with Mario Brown, check out www.mariocbrown.org on YouTube at Life Matters with Mario Brown and on Instagram at Life Matters with underscore Mario. Again, Life Matters with underscore Mario. Welcome back to Swap Sessions. It was like my dream. Like I used to pray every single day that God would give my group a record deal and a hit single before I graduated from high school. That was like my prayer every single day. And it yeah. just so happened that it turned out that way. You know, we got our record deals when I was in junior 
And then right before my senior year, our single drop, Just Kicking It, came out and it went number one. So I came into my senior year with the hit record. Which is crazy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's <laughs> it was crazy. Cra- it was crazy for sure. It was crazy. But at the same time, Atlanta was changing at that moment. You know, you already had had Criss Cross do that thing. You already had had TLC to do that thing. And at the same time of our success, you know, um, Outkast has started being successful like around a little bit after us or right around that time. They also went to my same school. They just had, well, Big Boy had graduated the year before me. So, you know, um, it was a performing arts school. Everybody that went off and became successful after that didn't necessarily, they weren't necessarily in the performing arts program, but it was a performing yeah. arts school. So like everybody, it was a large portion of the school who had dreams of doing what we were doing. So it was all, almost like a, um, for a lot of the people that came up after me at that same school, Tri-City High School of Visual and Performing Arts, it, it kind of gave all of them that that thing like, well, if they did it, we can do it too, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, we got, a, I got a lot of support from like my teachers and everything. Um, so that, you know, that, you know, I could still, con- I still continue to go to school on my days off from touring. So I was going to school like everybody else, turning in my work like everybody else. I just had a record on the radio. Yeah, and that's gonna be my question. Was it, did you find it easier to get into the industry and into the lifestyle because there were so many of you that had the same dreams and you could actually like bounce things off of each other? Like, did you feel that support helped you out through that? Mm, well, I don't necessarily think, you know, we bounced it off of each other. Like, it's not like I was going around and talking to other artists that, you know, had already accomplished it or whatever. I mean, the only other person we had to really talk to was, I guess, Jermaine. Um, but I mean, I guess, you know, I came into this in a group. So, you know, you're not doing it by yourself. You know, it's like you coming into it with a team almost. Uh, like you guys are, you know, we we're, we all are trying to make it together type of situation. So, um, but I had like a lot of support from my family and close friends. So, I don't know. I guess I was kind of like a lot more mature for my age too, I think. So, I mean, I guess it all worked out become successful in your music career. Um, you start writing. Were you writing before um, you got into the group or were you? did you like really develop your writing after your first big album hit? Um, well, when I was younger, I always used to try to write songs, yes. Um, you know, I would write little, I had like a little notepad that I was writing, you know, different ideas in, and I was coming up with stuff. Our old manager, um, Ian Burke, who helped us in the beginning, he would introduce me to like, or take me to, you know, like different producers and stuff so I can like, you know, work on my ideas. So I remember it was um, one guy, he actually was, went to high school with my brother, his name was Chris. So he was like a friend that I knew from the neighborhood, but he was just older than me. And um, his business, his production partner, his name was William. I used to go to their house and um, work on melody. You know, just they would just have me sing different melodies to tracks all day long. And at first I didn't really know 
like how is that helping if I'm not just coming up with the song and they was just like no you got dope melodies this is part of it like you need to just you know keep coming up with different stuff and I think doing that was helping me um hone my craft but I know we used to always ask Jermaine they're like oh let us write let us write you know he would let us write a little bit here and there but it wasn't it wasn't anything like what I started doing after the group you know what I mean um, it was yeah. more so we would get a couple of lines here, maybe he let us do a verse there, but it wasn't like we came up with the concept or the the whole song from scratch, you know what I mean? Right. So that's how it was in the beginning. And then um, I remember when me and our, the group, when we start falling apart, so that was like after the second album, you know, we really started having some serious issues or whatever. Um, you know, that's when we knew one of our group members that she was going to end up going solo after the third album. So I right. was telling Tiny, I was like, yo, we got to figure out what we're going to do. You know what I mean? Like, we can't just be sitting around here falling off because we know, <laughs> you know, the the great, the group is going to be on a hiatus when she, when Tasha, when, when Tasha does her solo project. Right. So I told Tiny, I was like, yo, let's, how about we work on our own project, like do a duo situation. And so that's when she and I started working and I was telling her like, yo, we gotta write, you know, let's go ahead and write, you know, most of the demos and stuff so that when we take it to the label or take it whoever we gonna try to get to sign us, we can show them that we could, we have a direction, we could write our own stuff, you know what I mean? So that's when we had wrote, um, we had did no scrubs for ourselves and you know, that song just really just opened the doorway for me to do other things because it ended up, you know, L.A. Reid heard the song, he wanted to use it for TLC, and from that moment, you know, I started getting a lot more opportunities from that. You know, other people was like, oh, oh okay, you can write, okay, well, come do this, do that, you know? So it was yeah. just, um, it was a blessing that it worked out in that way. That's dope. And a lot of people don't know, like, the the writing side is where like a lot of the money's at, like the writing and the publishing. Listen, I didn't know <laughs> at first either. Like to be, to be honest, I knew, cause I don't know, maybe I'm a control freak. I didn't know that then, but I guess I'm, I've learned that a little bit as I got older that I like to be in control <laughs> of the situation. So, um, you know, I knew I wanted to create because I just felt like you know, I felt I knew I could do it and I knew I was, you know, had dope ideas. I just right. didn't know how to make it happen at first. But it was more so about the creativity for me and coming up with the songs. I did not know how much money was behind it until after I started having my own hits and started seeing them checked. Because if I had known, <laughs> I would have pushed the point more for us to be writing on our albums. You know what I mean? Like that one wow. line, two lines here, there wouldn't have got it. If I would have known how, you know, how much the publishing would have been worth. Because, you know, before, you know, we was only getting like, oh, 5% here, you know, little percentages, you know. But it was like when I really started writing the whole song and I'm getting 50% here or if I do a collab, I'm getting 35 or, you know, whatever it is. I'm getting big chunks of the (laughs) Yeah, I was getting big chunks of the record. So I was like, wait, hold on now. I didn't know this was like this. You know, so it was a whole blessing. Like I, li- I literally, um, you know, made more money as a writer 
than I did with my group with three platinum albums. You know, like we had three platinum albums and multiple platinum and gold singles or whatever. So it's just like, you know, I thought, you know, we was doing well. I knew we wasn't making as much money as we should have been making, but I just, I never knew that I could just go on and do my own thing as a writer and really be killing it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. It's insane, but people are they're learning. They're learning the industry a little bit better. Yeah. Um, so to to the play, you one, you're like you're starting to be seen more in like acting and theatrics and things like that. Are you yeah. pushing your Are you pushing your career in that direction? Um, I have to say, yeah, I'm definitely pushing to do more of that. Like. I'm not saying that I want to do more of that to not do the other stuff that I've done in the past. It's just that I just want to broaden my horizons. Mainly, the thing is for me, I, you remember when I told you I went to performing arts school? I went to performing arts school for drama and theater. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people thought I went to the performing arts school for music. I did not. I, I met my group members at that school and we started singing together, but that had nothing to do with the music program at the school. You get what I'm saying? I was there for theater, drama, and then I also was in the Youth Ensemble of Atlanta, which was a musical theater company. Um, So a lot of my friends were like shocked that I became so like more about music coming out of school because a lot of them was like, oh, I thought you would have been, you know, become famous as, you know, an actress or whatever, because that's what I was, you know, doing so much of in, in class and in school or whatever. So anyway, as time went on and I, as I got older, I was just like, why have I not pursued my dream of acting, you know? And so I, at that point, which was like, I guess maybe six years ago, maybe, I had um, decided that I wanted to get a new agent, somebody who was gonna help me go after it like I wanted to and and that's what I did. And I have to say much love to my agent, um, Nick Roses because from that point when we really got focused on me doing auditions and doing all that stuff because I wasn't doing that before I was only you know taking meetings as a producer or pitching ideas from behind the scenes stuff um so when we started really focusing on that I ended up you know getting a couple opportunities um actually I had I did get picked for a role prior um to from a different show um but you know things didn't work out and so it wasn't until i ended up doing a shy that people really saw like oh okay it's like she act for real because you wouldn't think (laughs) that was your your first um passion when it came to the arts like you would think that it was music just because we you know we think we know you Um, right (laughs) so, so you you know you've done broadway you've done your play and now you're yeah. executive producing on Broadway with an amazing play, which I kind of not I haven't seen snippets. I've like read through a lot of the reviews of it and watched mm-hmm. some other interviews. The timeliness of the conversation is impeccable. Why? What made you want to get on board with this? Well. Once again, my agent told me about the project. He knew that I wanted to come back to Broadway 
um, and do another situation with Broadway. I didn't know if I was going to be acting, whatever. I just kept telling him, I need to go back to Broadway because I feel like you ain't really did it unless you've done it twice. You know, my first opportunity was when I was, <laughs> no, that's that's how I feel, like in anything. I'm like, uh, you ain't really real. did it unless you did it two times. So, um, like that. you know, I, I did, uh, I was Mama Morton in Chicago a few years ago. So after that, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, well, I would love to come back for something else later. But then this year, he hit me and he was like, yo, it might be an opportunity for you to be a producer on this project. You know, he was setting up meetings for me to talk to the um, one of the other producers and the writer of the project and the director. And, you know, after, you know, finding out what the, the project and the whole show, the play was about, I was like, I most definitely want to be yeah. a part of this. And for more reasons than one. One, I mean, to start with, Kenan Scott the second. He wrote an amazing piece. The show is great, okay? But on top of that, he's a first-time Black writer to have, you know, his show on um, Broadway, which is major for, you know, what we're doing. He is, uh, we have a Black director, and then we have an all-Black producing team, you know? Well, a majority black. We have one, um, you know, other person who's not black on the team. Um, but the thing, um, the thing about it is, it's historic. Um, Broadway has been known for years as the Great White Way. You know, that's what yeah. they used to call it, or whatever. And yeah. on top of that. Um, you know, they did start having some diversity as far as like talent in some of the shows, you know, having black stars that that started happening a little bit before the pandemic, whatever, a few years back. But, um, you know, this is the first time in history that Broadway has ever shut down during the pandemic. So when it We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Life is full of uncertainties, often showing up unannounced and at the most inopportune moments. They affect our personal, professional, social, and emotional experiences. Like a chess game, life is all about the moves you make. Life Matters with Mario Brown LLC was started to assist you in this area. Mario offers private, affordable, virtual, individual coaching sessions. The benchmark of his three-point faith-based service model is non-judgmental listening, reasonable goal setting, and comprehensive strategies for desired outcomes. With over 30 years of pastoral and itinerant ministry, Mario realized people often merely need someone who is not connected to them and on the outside to see their situation from a different perspective so they can reach solutions that will give them the outcome they desire. If you're ready to make new moves, need guidance, and insights of holistic living, Life Matters with Mario Brown is the service you need. Please feel free to contact a representative for more specifics on how to become a client by visiting www.mariocbrown.org for more information. That's www.mariocbrown.org. Welcome back to Swap Sessions. Came 
came back, it was important that it came back with a show like this that yeah. had not only the first time seven black men has ever been able to star in a show on Broadway, but secondly, you know, then you have all these black people behind the scenes that's making it happen. And I think I think that's what makes it amazing. Um, the fact that when I moved, okay, for me, when I moved to Atlanta, I moved to Atlanta from LA by way of New York. So I kind of like went like this and came back around right in the sea. Everywhere that I live, there's been successful black people, but it's not to the level that you see it when you get in Atlanta. Like here it's like everything is black. Like your doctors, your architects, your like construction companies, like the airlines, like everything is black here. And it's almost mind blowing because you don't see that anywhere else. So even as an adult coming in here, it was culture shock to see real <laughs> successful black people in real like Tuxedo Park neighborhoods, like living in mansions that are theirs. Like it's, it's shocking. And I think like when people understand that that level of black excellence doesn't get a chance on Broadway, for you guys to be doing that and showing that this is the level of production that can be done, give us a chance. Like, I think it's amazing. Oh, I think it's gonna you. like, it's gonna blow some people's minds the same way it's messed me up a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is, everybody that I know that's not from Atlanta says the same thing that you're saying. I know Todd, when he first got there, he said, he was just like, I have never seen this many black people in my life. <laughs> because of the fact that, you know, um, it's black people from all walks of life, but it is a city where it's majority, you know, African-American city. Um, yeah. They just recently said that we dropped to 49%. So if you can imagine, 49% of the city of Atlanta is black. But you got to remember, we have the surrounding city. So you got College Park, you got, you know, yeah. um, City of South Wales, all these different, Decatur, all those cities that really make up Metro Atlanta. And so yeah. all of those cities are black, black. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's, it's black, black. Like <laughs> you got that yeah, perimeter. Yeah. It's that's, it's real black. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so with that being said, um, that's pretty much what I've known my whole life growing up, seeing black excellence, seeing black people do well in life. And um, so it's never been a thing for me to where I didn't think it was possible. I always yeah. knew what was possible. Seeing other people, my mom used to drive me through neighborhoods, black neighborhoods, that you know were had lots of mansions and nice houses in them and i used to just drive those neighborhoods always be like that's gonna be my house when i grow up no this gonna and i used to do it all the time like literally yeah honestly um the neighborhood i live in now i still live in um an area that's mostly african-american um not to tell people where i live you know what i'm saying we're we not we're not telling folks we, we, we don't need no problems yeah but <laughs> it's a yeah, it's a gated community that I drove past, drove past when I was younger. They'd be like, ooh, I wonder what those houses look like in there. You know what I mean? And lots of big, huge, you know, houses, all owned by Black African-American people. So, um, you know, it is wonderful to be able to know what can be done and, and continue to take it to the next level and take it to other places. Yeah. So with 
with it being a seven male ensemble like starring in this play and everyone's telling their story from their point of view um not to try to get too personal in your life um but your loss of your brother early age um loss of aj at a relatively early age um then you're able to remarry or actually get go and get married with todd and then you have ace um how important was the narrative of the play for what you would want Ace to be able to see in the future? I personally feel like um, it's extremely important, especially right now, for different images of what's been shown, even different from what's been shown in the past through media um, of black men to come and, and for everybody to be able to be, a, be able to appreciate. Because for so long, for so many years, People have always tried to portray black men as just negative images in the public eye, um, angry, aggressive, violent. Those are the images that they've shown of us so many, many years, especially of black men, right? Um, last year, I think as an entire country and the whole world, everybody stood up pretty much saying like, you know, we tired of it, okay? I think everybody, um, thought about what they could do to make things better, right? And one thing that I always um, promoted or said whenever I have a conversation is, like, I feel like it's important that Black people are in positions of power and in positions of executive leadership to where we can help make some of these changes. In most industries, no matter what industry you're in, not just entertainment, not just, you know, whatever business, most of the people that's running things, making decisions are always typically Caucasian. <laughs> um, so I'm not saying yeah. that they are bad people or anything like that. What I am saying is when they want to do the right thing and when they want to help, sometimes they don't know how to help. How yeah. can they make the right decisions for what should be seen in media, what should be seen, um, you know, on your TV screens when people complain about the TV shows we want to see, complain about the, you know, whatever plays we want to see on Broadway or whatever. If we don't have any Black creators, any Black executives in these networks and power positions, how can we ever see those things see the light of day, right? Yeah. Um, yeah so for me, it was an important thing um, to help put together something that is seen the light that in the light that we want to see it. So with Thoughts of a Colored Man, it's about seven black men who meet at a Brooklyn barbershop, but they're from all different walks of life and they have all different experiences that they basically, you know, create and show. So they really represent seven different emotions. So you have one that's wisdom, one that's representing love, one represents passion, one represents anger, one represents lust. So it's like you have all these different, um, oh, one represents depression. Uh, I, you know, I know I'm leaving somebody out, but anyway, the whole point is they all, sh they show you that there's so many different levels so many different levels and then it also addresses certain things that happen in in the everyday life that you'd be like oh so that's why they feel like that or you know if you're not black you know we, we black we we get it 
but it's good to yeah. be able to see it play out on a stage, yeah. you know, in your everyday life. And it's not just some old, some old stuff. It's all about currently what's happening in today. Yeah. I get it. I get it. It's so funny. It's also, it is, even though it's about seven black men, there are um, things about the show and about the characters that relate to black women as well. Because I know my daughter Riley was sitting in the audience and she was laughing because she was like, I see myself in some, you know, one of the characters and what he was yeah. saying and talking about. Um, the same thing with one of my other homegirls. She was laughing too because she was like, oh yeah, that's me. Um, so <laughs> it, it's like, it's great to see those stories being told in a relatable way and that we can see ourselves in it. Yeah. Um, when you talk about like how media depicts black men as typically being like angry and negative and things like that. Um, when, when your husband first came into Housewives series, I felt like that was trying to be pushed on him. And it was, I felt you corrected a lot of it quickly. You think and so? <laughs> you know, you corrected a lot of it. Like, we're not doing this. So it was a lot of you redirecting that image. Was that something that you saw happening? And was that something that you were worried about how they were going to try to portray him coming into the series? I didn't think they tried to, they didn't try to portray him as angry. I felt like they tried to portray him as a user, as a leech. I felt right. like that's what they portray, tried to portray him as, which was absolutely incorrect. You know, what a lot of people don't understand, like, right now in this world. And then, you know, on the other side of that point, that coin, you know, it was like, oh, you are a sugar mama, or you are this, or you are that. Now, the thing about it, Todd had already had his own success in life. You know, he, come in, he came into our relationship doing well for himself in production, you know, producing TV shows and whatever, having his own background. And it was just kind of like messed up to me to say that, okay, because financially I may make more than that discredits him in some way. Um, What people have to understand is a lot of times, especially now there, you know, it's already, it's a proven fact. Like there are a lot more uh, black women who have gone on to get college degrees and make more money than a lot of men, okay? Men in general, and unfortunately, some of our black men, you know, fall in this category where, you know, they feel that, you know, their their wives or their girlfriends sometimes make more money than they do. But I don't think that should take anything away from a man and who he is to the relationship. You get what I'm saying? Um, yeah. It's like, you can't expect, you know, obviously there have been like, I don't know, even in our own city of Atlanta, there are a lot of great opportunities, a lot of great programs. And if you start doing your research, you know, that benefit, you know, people of color or whatever that we can get, you know, they always talk about minorities are able to um, get certain, um, you know, contracts or different things. But as a black woman, I am a double minority. And so sometimes that puts me a little bit ahead to be able to get more contracts, more this, more that. You get what I'm saying? Uh, Scholarships that are out there available that, you know, black women are able to, you know. We're 
We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. So ironically, in this moment, there is a couple of words that no one really wants to hear. Cruise ship, uh, travel, airplanes, hotels, uh, public. We, we're in a place right now where that's not really something that we aspire to. However, this is probably the best time to book tickets for next year. This is the best time to book travel for next year. Book them with cancellation options. Book them with refund options. Book them at the lowest price that you'll probably see in a long time. This is a great time to get in touch with us and find out where you can go and travel, what your discount prices are going to be, and how far out you can hold that golden ticket. So get in touch with us. Travel at suave.com. Ask some questions. We can get you where you want to go. Welcome back to Swap Sessions. Benefit. If, that's if we're out there doing our research and looking for these things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, with that being said, I think it's a wonderful thing that we as Black women are able to be successful, accomplish great things, do what we got to do. But at the same time, you know, we're not trying to discredit our men. We still want you to be great. We want to be great. We don't have to dumb ourselves down. But at the same time, nobody should be able to um, tear down our black men. You know what I'm saying? Right. So right. that's no, just absolutely. where I'm at with it. Absolutely. Right. Is there something specific you want someone to take away from the play that comes this year? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, just I think one of the things is that obviously stop judging a black man before you even know his story. Stop judging him upon the first time you see him. One of the characters, especially in the show, you will totally get that from. It's like, you see a person, whether he's in the grocery store working or working, you don't know what their situation is and, and what happened for them to be doing what they're doing or whatever. So please stop judging black men stop judging black people based off of the color of our skin and, and all of that is like we um it just gives you a, a, a little thought into the way we think and i love it no i mean the main thing that i want people to know is that i really 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 would love for you all to Support this show, Thoughts of a Colored Man. Get your tickets at thoughtsofacoloredman.com. And it's like, to me, it's not enough that we got this show on Broadway. People don't, um, the, a lot of times the reason or excuse that they give company, big companies, I'm saying, and investors use to not support black projects is because they were like, oh, they're not going to sell. Oh, you know, nobody's going to buy tickets for that or whatever, whatever. So the only way that we can continue to see other opportunities like this happen for other African-American creators is if you support it, you know? So I'm just asking that you guys support it and then buy buying tickets and coming to see the show. Buy a ticket for your friend if you already seen it, you know, whatever you gotta do. If you don't think you're gonna be in town, just get the ticket. 
I do that for movies, like black movies that I love that I just buy. If I know I just buy a ticket sometime, go on Fandango, buy a ticket to it because if I didn't have a chance to go see it, then I'll just buy a ticket to it because that's still like I just as good as I came. Not to say that I, you know, I don't always get to spread the word about it from that angle, but at least I supported it in some way. So I just ask to everybody support. Please yeah. see it, tell your friends, do all that good stuff. Okay. Last question, and then we are wrapped. Um, you have a lot going on. Like your plate is a platter. It's it's full. How? Like how? How? <laughs> how? <laughs> That's just, how? Like because it's um, one for me. It's inspiring. It's it's literally it's levels all the time. Like there's something always coming up, and it's like, oh, this is candy. I'm like, damn. And then it's just. Yeah. It's always something else coming up. Like, do you sleep? How do you, when do you Not sleep? Not really. I don't sleep that much, to be honest with you. I average about four hours. And that's not a good thing. I'm not telling other people to do that. No, um, I understand. But I mean, you know, I think it's even worse for me because I have children. So like, even mm-hmm. I have, you know, events during the, you know, the day or at night and I'm always up super, super late, but then I have to get up at the crack of dawn to get my kids ready for school and all of that. So it's like, I'm not sleeping. Like, I don't really, I don't, I don't want to miss any opportunity because I feel like everybody, are, people are quick to forget. And uh, I always, I always revert back to this because my, my cousin always tells me, uh, well, but she doesn't always tell me, she said this to me one time. She was like, used to bees don't make no honey. So don't nobody care what you used to be. All right, so that stuck with me because I was like, you know what, you're right. Because you always get around a used to be ass person. Maybe sitting like, oh, remember when I used to do this? Oh, you used to be hot. We used to be blah, 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 blah. Okay, so quickly you can become a used to be person. If you are not currently working on your next move, then it's like bye-bye because if you get too comfortable in whatever you hot in right now or whatever you got popular for right now like let's say for instance let's say you know i get comfortable and everybody being excited about the play right now which i'm very happy that we've gotten a lot of excitement and people are checking for it but let's say in a few months well it'll be the first run lasts for some months so after the first run okay what's next that's the people always want to know what's next so you have to constantly, while you're in your current success, be working on your next thing. You know what I mean? Or else yeah. you will fall off. It's just inevitable. So, <laughs> or not that you will fall off, but you just will no, have no. a moment where nobody's checking for you and nobody's talking about nothing that you got going on because they already seen that. It was good. What's next? That's what people think. So anyway. There's a many people on the next list. And that's the, it's like, once you come off that list, you got to get back in line. And exactly. it might be, it might be too hard to get back in line like that. Yes. You got to milk it. That's why I was like, you got on, you got on Housewives and like the businesses started popping up. And I was like, that's how you milk it. You make it work for you. Right. Well, my intention on the, on when I first started doing Housewives, I had already, you know, thought business and, you know, I was doing well for myself. But I realized that the show actually made my life become even more 
visible to the world, I thought it really wasn't gonna do nothing for me, right? Because I was like, oh, okay, I've been in a group before, I've you know, had success before. I had no idea that being on this show would take my, um, my uh, whatever I had going on, times 10, you know what I'm saying? So with yeah. that being said, I, I never cared about being popular, right? I felt like that first show, I was like, the money ain't matching this popularity that he's giving me. Like, I'm not really benefiting <laughs> off of this. So I was like, right. I have to make sure that it's making sense for me, you know? So I was like, okay, if you're going to see my... You, it, like I use this with some other people. If I'm gonna let you in my business and you're gonna be all in my business, then it's gonna benefit my business. Because yeah. other than that, I honestly, I'm pretty much really laid back and low key. I turn it up when I need to, if I have to work, if I have to host something, if I have to, you know, whatever, whatever. But most of the time I'm real like laid back, like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, all my friends know that. So it's just like, if I had to like allow people all of my business, it needs to benefit my business. And, and it needs to come in a timely fashion. The reason yeah. why I learned how to make things happen quicker and it to be more urgency upon myself and upon my scene is because like, say for instance, filming is only like six months, right? Mm-hmm. But you get so many people on reality TV that be talking about what they want to do and how they got to do it. And then you never see it. It never happens. Right. It never comes to right. fruition. So from the jump, I used I always told my team, I'm like, yo, anything that I say or mention on this show in, in the filming, it better happen before we stop. <laughs> because at the end of the day, I no, seriously. That's real. It, my, oh, that's real. My represent my reputation is important to me. Like I want you to know that I'm a person that I do what I say I'm gonna do. I'm dependable. Mm-hmm. I'm a Taurus. I'm dependable. Like if I said that I was gonna do it, it's good as done. Like yeah. I want you to feel that when you know me. You know what I mean? And so that is important that I'm just not over here just talking on I and mean, you don't hear you don't see nothing, you know? So I was like, it definitely has to happen. Like it has to happen. And not just from when the time you watching the show, because by the time you watch the show, it's already done. So it yeah. has to happen in filming, which only gives you six months at the most. To make it to make it happen. Yeah, they at least give you something tangible from that, whatever you discuss. I love it. I love it. Any any regrets? Like career, career housewives, businesses. Regrets. Ah, I feel like, um, like, do you regret letting people into your business going on the show? Well, it's like a give and take. I mean, yeah, I could not like that people are in my business, and I could not like some of the things that people say or the way people can drag me at times. But at the same time, I love the support of my fans. I love the platform. I love, so it's like, I can't get one without the other. So yeah. with that being said, I just take the good with the bad. You know, I take the bad with the good or however, how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> <I> like, <laughs> it, it's other. really no, yeah, it's no way that I could get the things that I love about it without accepting the things that I hate about it. So I just have learned to accept that it, this is just where my life is at this point. And um, I just rock with it because 
or else that it'll stress you out if you don't, you know what I mean? And I'm not about to be stressed and be worried about the bad negativity. The only thing that, you know, it really, really boiled my blood, that whole situation when they tried to accuse me of the whole drugging situation. And it's so funny because a lot of people were like, ah, like, she, why she cares so much when they said something about um, being lesbian in a closet or some bullshit? Like, I didn't care nothing about that. That didn't make, that didn't make me upset. What made me upset was the whole, like, drugging allegation situation. Because I'm like, what? Like, that is so far yeah. from who I am. You know, and I just, that just really, really bothered no, me. But it's that, like, nothing you can do about it, I guess. That rubbed a bunch of us wrong because it was... It's like, especially when you are a business owner, you understand that like yeah. that's that's reputation, and right. it's so it's so hard to bounce back from like false allegations. Right. So it's like it why is. even, regardless of whatever we got going on, why would you do that to me and try to ruin my life? Like, right. That's, exactly. That's how we saw it, and like the lies thing, like that's the meme <laughs> of my my groups. When somebody starts like the lies. Spread some love, stay suave, peace.